This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Morris inside. Jokic. Jokic. 23. of the Rocky Mountain Hips Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports, and we are here to talk about the playoffs. The Nuggets just got done a couple hours ago, beating the Utah Jazz 135-125 to in overtime, a game that was eerily reminiscent of the double overtime game that they played in Orlando in the bubble just a couple weeks ago. Um, this game was incredible. Start to finish, it was just so much fun. Donovan Mitchell and, J- and Jamal Murray were dueling. You had some Michael Porter Jr. moments. Nikola Jokic coming alive late. Joe Ingles being great. There was so much happening in this game, and there was so much to take away from it that, honestly, it just feels good to be able to have such a high-stakes event happen in basketball once again. So we're going to get into a ton of stuff, talk about who was in and who was not. We're going to talk about just the overall takeaways from the game, whether it was Porter, Millsap, the Nuggets role players playing well, Torrey Craig's defense, Joe Ingles. We'll talk about the game on a quarter-by-quarter basis as well as overtime. I will also talk about what Denver needs to change for Game 2 to, to get themselves back on the correct track because, man, there were some things tonight that they are today, I should say, because it was an 11.30 a.m. game in Denver, but there were some things they absolutely need to address. And whenever you let somebody go off for 57, like Donovan Mitchell did in this game, there's going to be some stuff to work on. So we're going to get into all of that. And then at the very end of the podcast, as I always like to do, we're going to take questions from listeners and do some... um some narrative investigation of work on what, on what people think are important things that are going on with this Nuggets team. Um, but before we go any further, let's just take a look at the box score real quick. Uh, Jamal Murray led the way for the Nuggets in a huge way. He played 40 minutes in this game and had 36 points on 13 of 20 shooting. Even better, he was 6 of 9 from 3, had 5 rebounds, 9 assists, and 3 turnovers. Truly, truly one of Jamal Murray's best games as a pro. It was incredible to see what he was able to do, and we'll talk more about Murray as we go, but Jamal Murray, and I put this on Twitter, I've been very critical of Jamal Murray since he's been in Denver, and he's now at the point that he has proven most of my concerns wrong, and he put all of that into one great game where you saw the defensive ability of his growth, you saw his potential as a very patient creator for himself and for others, you saw the three-point jump shot, you saw the handles, you saw so much of Jamal Murray's game on full display in this one, so I'm definitely going to get more into that. Uh, Torrey Craig started at the two tonight, played 
played pretty good defense on Donovan Mitchell when he was in the game, but really it didn't matter who was defending him. Uh, Nikola Jokic was the next player to really help carry the Nuggets home. He had 29 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists against 4 turnovers, and 2 steals and a block. Was 11 of 21 from the field, took 7 threes in this game, which I find very notable, um, hit 4 of them. And then Michael Porter... 13 points on 13 shots. He was 5 of 13 from the field. 3 of 7 from 3, which is encouraging. 8 rebounds and assist. 1 turnover, 1 block. He was good, wasn't very good. He got attacked relentlessly on defense. Last person I want to make sure I shout out on the... On the starting point of this podcast is Monte Morris, who he had 14 points on 6 of 9 shooting to go with 3 rebounds and 4 assists, but... That doesn't even remotely sum up just how great Monte Morris was in this game. He had that bench unit running to perfection at times. And on top of that, he did everything you could ever ask for from a backup point guard, whether it was defending Donovan Mitchell well on, on certain possessions, whether it was creating great looks at the rim, whether it was creating looks in the pick and roll with Mason Plumley, whether it was just finding his own shot and also being able to knock down a couple threes in this game when he was unable to hit threes in the last playoff. He was 0 of 13. So lots of great performances from the Nuggets overall, but still all of it was dwarfed by the 57 points, 9 rebounds, and seven assists by Donovan Mitchell, 19 of 33 from the field and six of 15 from three. He went 13 of 13 from the foul line in 43 minutes. He left it all on the court, but it just wasn't enough. The Nuggets took the Jazz's best shot in game one and they came away victorious, which is a very encouraging sign as well. All right, so the rest of this podcast, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get into the rest of the game. Another reminder that this show is brought to you by TheraOne CBD from Theragun, by NFLSundayTicket.tv, and by Bet Online. So we're going to take our first quick break, tell you about TheraOne CBD, and I will be back on the other end to get into all the details from this Denver Nuggets-Utah Jazz Game 1 matchup. Tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging to simply making it through each busy day. Everybody understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD projects. Started by Jason Wurzland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatment. That's when he created TheraOne. That's to bring you CBD products done right. There are a lot of CBD products that claim to be organic, but they still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion as your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and the sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. So this is what you gotta do. Now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne projects or products. But you've gotta go to theragun.com slash bluewire. 
If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Welcome back into the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. And like I said in the in the intro of this podcast, the Nuggets came away with a 135 to 125 overtime victory over the Utah Jazz in the um in their first in their game one of the playoffs. They outscored the Jazz 20 to 10 in a 5-minute overtime period and were just incredible. Jamal Murray in particular was just incredible in the fourth quarter in overtime and it was really a magnificent game to be able to watch. Um First off the bat, though, let's just talk about some overall notes that I had from the game. Um, Injuries-wise, so Mike Conley was obviously not going to play in this game. He's not injured. He was actually back out of the bubble for the birth of his son. So congratulations once again to Mike Conley. In his place, the Jazz did something very interesting. They started Juwan Morgan at the four as the new starter and then slid Joe Ingles to the shooting guard position and Royce O'Neal to the three. What that did is it allowed the Jazz have to have a little bit more ability to match up with the Nugget size, which really paid some dividends for them being that, let me see here, yeah, Utah out-rebounded the Nuggets 52-41. to that's that was a big difference maker because where they really out rebounded the Nuggets was on the offensive glass, out rebounded them sixteen to eight on the offensive glass, and a big reason why was they had the size in there to be able to match up. So really smart play by Quinn Snyder to start Jawan Morgan. He wasn't lighting it up from the field by any stretch. Um, he ended up finishing the game one of five from the field, had three points, but seven rebounds and assists. Two of them were offensive to go with a steal and only one turnover. It was a plus seventeen in. 25 minutes. He was an extremely helpful player for them and a really good decision. Um, for the Nuggets, they did not have Will Barton or Gary Harris as expected. That meant that they started Torrey Craig and Michael Porter Jr. Torrey Craig played decently well, especially offensively. He hit three threes in this game, was three of five from deep, had four rebounds, a couple of them were offensive, 11 points, and did his best on Donovan Mitchell, but eventually fouled out, only played 21 minutes because Mitchell was just, it was like the Hulk was driving into the lane as the point guard over and over and over again, and Torrey just couldn't do anything with him, and to be fair to Torrey, nobody could do anything with Donovan Mitchell in this game. So for as well as Torrey uh, seemed to play, and he did help the Nuggets in his 21 minutes, there's no denying that fact, he was not able to do enough because he just wasn't on the floor that much. Um, Let's move to Michael Porter Jr., who had zero nerves to start this game. He came out and was two of I believe he was two of two from three to start the game. Two just ridiculous pull-up threes in transition. He ended up finishing with 13 points on five of 13 shooting with eight rebounds. But overall, Porter became a ghost in for the second through fourth quarter. He wasn't making the same impact in this game that you would like him to see. And honestly, he looked like a rookie playing in his first playoff game, which was entirely expected. 
One thing I'll say about Michael Porter Jr., which was encouraging, was that Michael Malone stuck with him in the fourth quarter. He went back to him and gave him the chance to close the game. He didn't end up closing the game. Michael Malone went with P.J. Dozier in the overtime period instead of Porter, which I think was a very good decision because Porter was being attacked relentlessly on defense, and it helped the Nuggets kind of match up better. But Porter got a wake-up call. Porter realized what the NBA looks like in the playoffs. And I actually asked him after the game, what is there? Is there something that you learned from your first playoff game? Something that stood out to him? And the thing that he said was the intensity defensively. And Michael Porter had issues with that. Not that he wasn't giving max effort. I just don't think he knew how to get to the right place quick enough because his brain wasn't operating at the same speed of the game. Because again, he's a rookie still trying to find his way in this league and how to, you know, trying to get his feet under him. So Porter had no nerves, shot the ball like crazy in the first quarter, but eventually had the reality of the NBA hit him in the face a little bit for the rest of the game. So I'm very curious to see how he bounces back. The Nuggets are going to need him to bounce back, especially if Donovan Mitchell is going to be not, not this unguardable, but along these lines, they're going to need Michael Porter Jr. So um, that's one thing I wanted to talk about off the, off the bat. The other thing was that Paul Millsap's defense as a weak side defender was phenomenal. Um, in the first half, Rudy Gobert was not very impactful offensively. He ended up finishing 8 of 11 from the field for 17 points, but a bunch of that came in the third quarter. Paul Millsap really helped swallow him up in the first quarter um, and really the second quarter as well. They went away from Paul Millsap later in the game. He only played 29 minutes, and they got Jeremy Grant in there just to defend Donovan Mitchell one-on-one because they needed somebody who could match up with them. But I think we're going to see a lot more Paul Millsap in the next game, especially if the Nuggets decide to stop dropping against Donovan Mitchell, which is just fucking infuriating. I don't know what it is that the Nuggets think they're accomplishing by playing a drop defense with Nikola Jokic in the game against Donovan Mitchell, who wants to get to the rim, but it's not working for them, and they need to start hedging and getting up the floor to get the ball out of his hands and if they do that they're going to need Paul Millsap on the back end rotating to be able to clean up those errors and to basically be able to help the Nuggets throughout the scrambling process Paul Millsap had three steals and a block tonight despite only playing 29 minutes but was three of ten from the field for only eight points did not have an assist only three boards needs to give Denver a little bit more offensively but Denver needs to play him more for his defensive versatility in my opinion we'll see if they do that um, without Tory Craig in the game, Denver is at risk of just letting Mitchell eat them alive. That was one thing that was so clear when Tory Craig got into foul trouble in the early in the third quarter is that that was what allowed Donovan Mitchell just to go fucking ballistic was they didn't have a six seven defender out there with a seven foot wingspan with all of that strength and physicality to make life a little bit more difficult for Donovan Mitchell. So the Nuggets need to find a way or Tory Craig needs to find a way to not get into foul trouble in the way that he did. But more on that coming up. Uh, the last kind of overall takeaway I had from this game was if they're going to continue to play this starting lineup, the Jazz, I mean, with Juwan Howard in there and they slide Joe Ingles to the, to the shooting guard position, you're going to see a lot of offense initiated by Joe Ingles to attack Michael Porter Jr. It just makes the most sense. It's something they went, they went to regularly. If you listen to me on this podcast, I brought up this possibility multiple times because I really feel like that's an advantage that... Uh, the Jazz have over the Nuggets is just the savviness and the IQ that Joe Ingles presents because he has the experience that Michael Porter Jr. just does not, and that really worked out well. And by the second half, the Jazz were just trying to find Michael Porter Jr. and attack him. Just put a screen on him with Rudy Gobert, get the Nuggets scrambling, and create an open three. They did it like five times in a row, and I think that will continue going forward. 
So those are kind of like my bigger picture takeaways. Let's move into the each quarter by quarter situation and kind of my notes from that. And the first quarter, the starters played well, um, really good on offense. Man, they were firing on all cylinders offensively. Um, and it was nice to see. Jamal Murray was not forcing any shots. Michael Porter Jr. was the one warping the floor. You had Nikola Jokic in a scoring mindset from a very early time. and But at the same time, they kind of struggled defensively. Uh, Paul Millsap did a great job of erasing mistakes, but Nikola Jokic was abysmal on defense. He was a statue half the time, and it wasn't functional for the Nuggets' overall defensive scheme. And you saw that kind of um, percolate through through the rest of the game when the Nuggets were just getting cooked by Donovan Mitchell. But with that being said, once the Nuggets bench unit came into the game, that was when things really shifted for Denver because they had such a clear advantage against the Utah bench. Emmanuel Moutier was a disaster for the Jazz and Monte Morris was fantastic. That was a huge difference maker for this Denver Nuggets team and they were able to extend leads with their bench unit multiple times. Denver needs to be able to keep relying on that and a big reason they were so good off the bench was because Monte Morris was in full control of everything happening around him. Also, Michael Malone made the really smart decision of getting Paul Millsap and Michael Porter Jr. out of the game early so he could bring them back in with the, with the bench unit before the rest of the starters returned. And it gave Denver a nice blend of starters and bench unit without overcompensating minutes to a particular guy. So I really like that sub pattern as well, and I think we're going to see more of that going forward. In the second quarter, the Nuggets just kept their foot on the gas and their three-point shots were falling. I believe they finished like 11 of 22 from three in the first half. Um, they were getting threes from everybody, and it wasn't just the starters in the second quarter. Their bench unit really started getting going. When you have Monte Morris hitting threes, when you have Jeremy Grant hitting threes, when you have P.J. Dozier hitting a three as well, and all these guys sprinkling in so much help, that just takes the Nuggets' overall impact offensively to a different level. If the Jazz continually let Nuggets role players hit threes and get this kind of production, they are not going to have a very high chance of winning this series, and that was fully on display. Um, also in the second quarter was when Michael Porter Jr. started to struggle. You saw the fact that he was kind of out of place. He wasn't sure where to be defensively. He was kind of second-guessing himself, which again is all to be expected from a rookie in his playoff debut. So while there were some good moments in the first quarter, there were some very bad ones in the second, and that was also with and the Jazz started realizing they could attack him more. Um, by the time the second quarter began to end, you heard Mark Jones call it a three o'clock run at, at, at LA Times because the, the game got sloppy. The game got incredibly sloppy. The Nuggets were a little sloppier and it hurt their ability to carry a bigger lead into the, into the second half, which ultimately set up this game for just a ridiculous finish. So, halftime comes and goes, third quarter starts, Craig immediately gets into foul trouble, and that was concerning, because that is what started Donovan Mitchell's just explosion. The Nuggets were outscored 31-19 to in the third quarter after winning both the first and second quarter, and it just blew the floodgates open. This is when Mitchell got all of his rhythm, all of his momentum, and it didn't matter. He could be driving downhill, he could be taking step-back threes, he could be using screens. It didn't matter. Mitchell was scoring one way or another, and it was really um, 
It was frightening to see somebody that effortlessly get wherever they want against the Nuggets, despite whatever the Nuggets did. Um, the Nuggets, again, were still playing just like an absurd amount of drop defense, and I don't know why, because when they did that, they left whatever point of attack defender was on Mitchell, whether, whether it was Grant, whether it was Porter, whether it was uh, Craig, whoever it was, Murray got torched in the third quarter by, by Donovan Mitchell, but whoever it was, they were getting killed by the Gobert screen, which was to be expected because Gobert is a hell of a screener, but with Jokic dropping, all of a sudden Mitchell is a full head of speed going downhill at Nikola Jokic, who is backpedaling. What is Nikola supposed to do in that circumstance? This is why the Nuggets originally started hedging in the first place. They went to Nikola Jokic and asked him, how do you want to play defense? And Jokic said he wants to be up the floor. He wants to use his hands. He wants to be involved in the play. And so much of the Nuggets' defense um, in this game, especially when Jokic was on the floor, was Jokic extremely disconnected from the overall defensive scheme. So I'll talk about this more at the end of this show when I get into what Denver needs to change for Game 2, but the Nuggets cannot, cannot continually play this much drop defense. They were just getting sliced to pieces, and it wasn't until overtime that they finally stopped doing that, and then they won the period 20-10. to So... I don't know what that was, but Donovan Mitchell was able to get going in a huge way because of it, and I think that needs to change. Um, so yeah, Craig foul trouble. Mitchell starts going off and just cooking Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. is still struggling. He hits a three in the third quarter, but again on defense is just getting relentlessly attacked, like public enemy number one kind of shit. And it was very difficult for him. He was not able to stay in front of anybody. His perimeter containment was abysmal in the third quarter. So that was not good. And the Nuggets offensively, they got sloppy and they took their foot off the gas. So all of those things just snowballed into each other. And when that happens, you have, what was it, 31 to 19 quarter? Yeah, 31 to 19 quarter. And it forced the Nuggets to step up in a big way in the fourth because they were down by five. So let's get to the fourth quarter because Jamal Murray from the fourth quarter through overtime had 20 points in this game. Murray just started being like, you know what, if Donovan Mitchell's going to go off, I'm going to take it personal and I'm going to go off. I literally tweeted that out, the whole Michael Jordan from the last dance, it got personal from me meme, and that is what happened. Jamal Murray was not okay with Donovan Mitchell owning this game, and he stepped up and he took it back, and that was probably the most... um. It was the most startling part of this game because people don't lose games you score 57 in. Like, I don't care. It, I, it, it doesn't happen, especially in the playoffs when you're a good team like the Jazz and the Nuggets defense is getting scorched like this. But Jamal Murray refused, man. He just continually kept answering back, whether it was threes, getting to the rim, getting free throws. Jamal Murray found a way to keep pace with Donovan Mitchell every step of the way. No, he didn't score 57. That wasn't the goal, though. He kept the Nuggets right there. And that was so important because what that did, it allowed Nikola Jokic to kind of get himself back into the game. And it took a little while. Nikola Jokic was awesome in the first half, in the first quarter. Like, he was doing whatever he wanted as a scorer. The third quarter, he was much like the rest of the team. Very lackadaisical, took the took his foot off the gas. But when Murray injected that energy, that fight, that relentlessness back into the game, that is when Nikola Jokic also got that wind of it. And he started stepping up. And, the, and their combo eventually led the Nuggets to this win in over. 
overtime, of course. So really, really impressive by Jamal Murray to step this up in such a monumental way. Him injecting the Nuggets with that energy is what won them this game. Full stop. Um, another thing, Michael Porter Jr. got put back into this game about the five and a half minute mark. Michael Malone stuck with them. He struggled again. It didn't work out well, but he showed the confidence in Michael Porter Jr. And you could tell when Porter talked to the media after the game that it wasn't one of those things where like you could tell there was something bothering him in terms of him getting pulled in overtime or anything like that. You could tell there was an understanding to it. And that was really encouraging because Malone showed the confidence in him, but also made a playoff decision to go with PJ Dozier at the end of the fourth quarter and overtime to be able to help the Nuggets stop getting attacked so relentlessly on defense. So the Nuggets end up outscoring the Jazz by five points, 37 to 34 in the fourth quarter and almost won the game at the end of the fourth quarter on a really good look by Nikola Jokic created by Jamal Murray. Uh, Doesn't fall. Rudy Gobert has an epic epic contest on Nikola Jokic's shot to be able to keep it from going. Um, But there we go, straight to overtime. Once you get to overtime, Michael Mullen went to P.J. Dozier over Michael Porter Jr., and all of a sudden the Jazz did not have an enemy to just consistently attack offensively. It threw them off a little bit. You could tell Donovan Mitchell was getting winded because, dude, the guy was carrying the team on his back, and he just kind of ran out of gas, and Jamal Murray had plenty left in the tank, and he just turned it up to a whole nother level. He scored like eight straight points in overtime at one point. Donovan Mitchell gets a really rough eight-second call that you could tell was the defining moment in this game and that was that the Nuggets came away with a big win Jamal Murray he assisted or made something like all I think it was 16 of Denver's 20 points in the fourth quarter sorry it was 14 of Denver's 20 points in the fourth quarter he assisted on or made himself like truly truly incredible stuff that he was able to accomplish in this game um so that's about what happened that's <laughs> that's the big long feel of how this game kind of bore out over time and it was really impressive and this was paired by the way with a bunch of other good things the Jazz were doing like I said Joe Ingles was taking Michael Porter Jr. to school Juwan Morgan was giving them great minutes as a defender Rudy Gobert was everywhere in the second half especially that third quarter Donovan Mitchell was just there's nobody I've ever seen that hot before in a game. It was ridiculous. And even Jordan Clarkson gave them good minutes off the bench. Had 18 points in this game. He played 39 minutes. Um... So the Jazz did a lot of good things. The Nuggets took a hell of a shot from the Jazz. I mean, think of it this way. The Nuggets in this game had the Jazz shoot 47 threes. They only hit 34% of them, but 47's a lot to get up. They shot 47% from the field. Donovan Mitchell gave them 57 points. They got 18 points from Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Joe Ingles gave them 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists. They got a great defensive game from Rudy Gobert as well as 17 points and 7 rebounds. Like They got everything you could hope for. And it wasn't enough. They were like this is the thing: the margin for error that the Utah Jazz currently have is so so thin. And if and this is the thing: it take it just takes the Nuggets coming alive when they need to to be able to win a game, even when the Jazz give them their best shot. Um, it's going to be fascinating how this series changes for Game Two now because the Nuggets and the Jazz know each other so well, and Quinn Snyder obviously adjusted so well at halftime to what the Nuggets were doing. So I'm sure. Quinn Snyder is going to have something up his sleeve for game two. But let's look from the Nuggets perspective. This is the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. This is not a jazz podcast. So what would the Nuggets do to potentially improve themselves for game two? 
I don't know how many times I've already said it. Do not run a drop defense over and over and over and over and over again against Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. You can't do it. It's it's not sustainable. It's not functional. You have too many athletes behind you on the defensive end of the floor. Hedge. Get up on the floor, make Donovan Mitchell uncomfortable, make him pass the ball, and find a way to recover to other players. That's, you have to do that at this point. Because Mitchell getting downhill with the defender dying on the screen and just attacking Nikola Jokic over and over again is just going to just ruin this Nuggets team's defense, and they have to stop that from happening. Also, Torrey Craig has to find a way to foul less. Like it's, I mean, way easier said than done, but you can't foul out in 21 minutes. You, you just can't, and that has to change. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. also, he just needs to take it more seriously on defense. I think he took it serious. I just don't think he understood what was going to be required of him in a playoff setting. And afterwards, when I asked him about that in his press conference, he said that the thing that surprised him most, or the thing he learned the most, was the different level of defensive intensity that exists in the playoffs. And I think we're going to see a more... Um, dialed in Michael Porter Jr. Who knows what that actually ends up playing out as in terms of effectiveness, but I think he'll be more ready for it going forward. Also, the Nuggets could use more scoring from Paul Millsap when the offense stutters. They need a lot more from him. I mean, Paul Millsap going 3 of 10 from the field when he can when he can get mismatches all over the court is something that just isn't enough. So hopefully the Nuggets can get more from Paul Millsap on the offensive end of the floor as well. But that's kind of my perspective of game one. Overall, the Nuggets took the best possible shot that the Jazz could have thrown at them. They took it and they won. Like That's about as encouraging as it gets. Also, Michael Malone, what were the things that he was constantly harping on? Three-point defense and turnovers. Holding the Jazz to 34% from three, even though they took 47, that is kind of a win in this playoff environment. And on top of that, they only had 11 turnovers in this game. So... For me, I'm impressed. That was an encouraging win for the Denver Nuggets, and we're going to have to wait and see how Game 2 looks. But we're going to take our second break real quick. We're going to tell you about NFLSundayTicket.tv, and we're going to answer some questions from listeners on the other end. So stick around. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are finally coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, you get NFL Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, so you never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players, no matter where you live. NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use your promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off of your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. That is promo code BLUEWIRE in all capital letters.
Welcome back into the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, and thank you guys for sticking around. It is time for my favorite segment, as you guys know, which is answering questions from listeners of the show, and apparently some random media members this time. So let's just dive into a few of these questions. Also, the reason I love these questions, and I'm so appreciative of all of you guys sending them in, is that it allows me to answer different kinds of topics that maybe I didn't touch on in the rest of my podcast. So seriously, to everybody who sends in questions when I ask for them, thank you a ton. It really helps us diversify the different topics that are discussed on this podcast. So with that being said, let's get to Topher Aaron's question, which is, how are we going to slow Donovan Mitchell down? First of all, they again, they have to to stop dropping on defense. If you can get Nikola Jokic up the floor using his quick hands to make life more difficult and blow up the the initial start of their offensive possessions, it can throw off the timing of everything else and force a reversal of the ball, and then the shot clock is going down and suddenly you have an advantage. The Nuggets just have to make his life more difficult. They gave him the room to be able to get to his spots and to be able to get the speed to muscle guys out of the way or to find the current angles for himself. That's why he didn't have a need to have very many assists tonight is because the Nuggets were giving him enough room to be able to operate. So until the Nuggets decide to change their defensive scheme against Donovan Mitchell, I think we're going to see a whole lot of what we saw tonight. Also, Torrey Craig not fouling out would be extremely helpful. I think putting Paul Millsap on him a little bit more would be something that would be helpful, and I think Jeremy Grant did a good job on him. So showing him different looks and trying to change up your defensive scheme against him could be a way that the Nuggets at least slow down Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Jake Shapiro, who writes for the Denver Post, by the way, and is definitely um, one of the elite guys when it comes to covering the Colorado Rapids, he asks, why not a Monte Morris-Jamal Murray backcourt? I get the idea of it. My thing is that I think they're too small to play together. Uh, Monte Morris is a very good defender for his size, but he's defending backup point guards usually. He's not the guy out there bodying up against Chris Paul and guys like that. So I do think that the size is concerning. And the other part of this is P.J. Dozier has been very good, but I don't know if you want to rely solely on P.J. Dozier to run your bench unit. I think having Monte Morris to give you that consistency the second that Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic are off the floor is something that the Nuggets... Um, they need to keep in their back pocket. You saw that play out at the end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter to t- um, today against the Utah Jazz when Monte Morris came in and just had that bench unit humming and they were able to extend the lead. So I really think Monte just provides more help off the off the bench and then if you want to close with him like the Nuggets did tonight, it makes a lot more sense to go about it that way. Um, Nikias, man, writes for Uproxx. You can find its word over at Bleacher Report. The dude is brilliant when it comes to basketball. But Nikias asks, what are your thoughts on Jokic's willingness to pull threes out of the pick and pop? Seems like he's always flipped between passing up on too many of them and flinging them against late contests versus attacking closeouts. This is a very interesting point because it comes down, in my opinion, to Nikola Jokic's thoughts of the scouting report. So for the Jazz in particular, Nikola Jokic doesn't usually take this many threes. I mean, I think he took six in this game. He took seven in this game, was four of seven. He knows that for the Nuggets to be the best version of themselves against the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert needs to be further and further away from the rim. So his willingness to step out and take threes, even if it's not always the best shot, is still the right decision for the Nuggets as a group. And Nikola Jokic, as much as we joke he's a bird and just does things instinctually, he knows this. This is already within his brain, and he knows that to beat the Jazz, to get the 
the best possible offensive efficiency at the rim, Rudy Gobert cannot be there. And Jokic's willingness to take those pick-and-pop threes is 100% on display in that way against the Jazz. Tyson Roosh, I believe is how you say your last name, asks, how do you like the Monte Morris, uh, PJ Dozier, uh, Jamal Murray, Jeremy Grant, Nikola Jokic lineup? So for those who don't remember, this is the group that played in overtime tonight. This was the you know de facto closing group for the Denver Nuggets. I was really encouraged by this group. I thought they played really, really well, and I didn't think that this would be anywhere near what they were going to do for their overall roster construction to close games. This was very surprising to me, but it makes a lot of sense, especially tonight, because Monte Morris was in so much control of the offense, and he was hitting his threes, and he knew where to be with the ball. Jamal Murray was just doing whatever he felt like he wanted to do. P.J. Dozier was defending his ass off and really helping mitigate the issues that Michael Porter Jr. presented, while Jeremy Grant was unlocking different parts of his offensive game in real time, all while alongside Nikola Jokic. So, at first, I was hesitant about it because you would think that there might be some lack of shooting or a little bit of lack of spacing, but overall, they played great together. I don't know if this is their go-to closing lineup down the line, but in this game, it worked out damn well. And then last one, Jumpstart asks, will MPJ adjust defensively enough to stay on the floor? This is the this is the biggest question, and I do think we're going to see a much smarter version of Michael Porter Jr. in Game 2. Uh, the Nuggets got to play the Jazz three times this season. Michael Porter Jr. really only was around for one of them, so... It's not necessarily like he has the same uh, view of this Jazz team that many of his teammates have. So I think Michael Porter Jr. in particular is going to benefit the most from a real good sit-down film session with assistant coaches. So I think just based off that, of being able to look at what he did wrong in this game and address it, that's going to be huge. And he also was very cognizant of it. When I asked him again after the game what what like is something he learned from his first playoff game, he said the defensive intensity. He knows knows that that is where he needs to fix things. So I assume that he will go out and do his best to fix those things. But that is all I got today. This has been another edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride from Mile High Sports. And thank you guys for, again, for sticking around, for sending in questions, for sharing this podcast, for leaving it five-star reviews, for putting it all over social media, for leaving comments, all of those things. It's really, really, really appreciated. But that's all I got today. Nugget's going to play again, too, for Game 2, and I'll be right here to talk about it very, very shortly. But for now, please keep wearing a mask. Remember Black Lives Matter, and have a great rest of your day. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to uh, to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all of the odds, the futures, and props to bet on, and they're all available 24/7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion. Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series that they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. Also, remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE when 
to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, spelled B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Bet online, your online wagering experts.